Welcome to episode number 66 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We're creating a global community around process safety, industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about using sonic air fan systems to prevent combustible dust accumulation in overhead areas. To do that, we have on the call COO of Sonic Air, Jordan Newton, based out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Jordan, I want to say a big thank you for coming on the Dust Safety Science Podcast and talking about these fan solutions to preventing combustible dust accumulation. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks for having me today. So, yeah, I'm really excited to have Jordan on. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with the Sonic Air Fan Systems. They definitely seem to be popping up in facilities across um, the, the landscape these days, and it's really interesting. I want to get Jordan on to talk about them. He's also presenting at the Digital Dust Safety Conference on um, how these solutions can reduce dust accumulation, and in particular, dust accumulation at a, at a high level in the facility. So very often, this will be your, your smallest particle size, your driest dust, and what many believe to really be the biggest hazard at your facility. So it's good to see a solution that's specifically geared towards that. And that's what we'll be talking about in this in this episode. Um, and just kind of to paint a picture to lead off the interview, um, I just want to bring up the Haganay's Iron Powder Facility explosions. And yes, that's explosions with an S um, in Gallatin, Tennessee. So this facility, the Chemical Safety Board went in and did a review after the, the three major explosions they had in 2011. Um, had severe housekeeping issues. In January, they had two fatalities from a bucket elevator motor was stuck. Employees went up, climbed the ladders, got onto the platform, and hit it with a mallet or hammer, dispersed the dust. Um, you had a flash deflagration and, and fatally injured the workers. Another explosion later on, 2011. But the big one I want to talk about was, was May 27, 2011, where they had an initial hydrogen explosion, which caused the rafters to shake and caused iron dust to rain down. And it was reported by the workers that were trying to get through that even with flashlights, they could only see three to four feet ahead of them. That's how much iron dust was in the air after shaking the facility. This caused several flash fires to keep going for several minutes. Had very large you know, explosions and flash fires, and that was due to this overhead dust accumulation. So when you think of sort of the worst case scenario, how bad can it get with overhead dust? Uh, that's, that's probably a burning hot metal dust raining down, causing flash fireballs and, and explosions to happen while horrors trying to escape. You know, that's the worst case scenario. So I just want to put that out there as sort of a, an example of, you know, how bad things can be. And then you have everything from, you know, a lot easier, a lot simpler circumstances as well. And I'm sure we'll get into that in this episode. So Jordan, maybe a, a great place to kind of start off is just tell us about your background and what brought you to Sonic Air. Sure. My first job out of engineering school was actually working for a forensic engineering firm uh, out of Raleigh, North Carolina. So we investigated everything from car crashes, train crashes, structural collapses, and and all different types of uh, consumer product failures. But uh, probably the bulk of my time while I was there was spent working on fire and explosion cases. And, you know, the cause and origin investigative work that I was doing there was just fascinating to me. Uh, And I happened to be fortunate enough to be part of the team that investigated the West Pharmaceuticals dust explosion, which occurred back in 2003 in Kinston, North Carolina. That explosion was the result of rubber dust buildup in uh, an overhead space. It was in uh, an area where they had a lay-in ceiling, and they did not regularly take that ceiling out to clean or check for dust buildup in that area. And that's, you know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind and in a hidden space where the dust build up. But, uh, you know, being able to go and walk through that facility and that scene uh, after that explosion was just astonishing to me. 
the level of damage and destruction that was caused by by a dust explosion, something that I was very new to at that time. You know, a facility where the roof is gone, every window is gone, major heavy equipment has been moved and displaced by the explosion. Just a, a really tragic event, but um, something something that I'll never forget. Um, after working there, uh, my background in fire science helped me make an easy transition over to underwriters laboratories. So a lot of people are probably familiar with the UL mark that you see on consumer products. But while there, I certified and tested protective firefighting gear, the, the equipment that firefighters wear when they go into a fire. So it's very rewarding to know that the, the work I was doing there was helping firefighters stay safe while they risk their lives. Once leaving there, the opportunity presented itself for me to come on board with Sonic Air. And I liked having the opportunity to try to protect lives and property by preventing fires and explosions. So it's been an interesting career path to go from arriving on a scene after a fire or explosion to being part of something that was used in the middle of that fire or explosion and now trying to be on the front end of it and trying to just prevent it from ever happening in the first place. But back about, I'd say about 10 years ago now, it's when I was talking to Brad Carr, the president and uh, owner of Sonic Air. I saw his vision for this technology and where it could go and have a bigger impact than just the industries he was currently serving, which was really just textiles and industrial laundries. So the goal at the time was just to eliminate lint buildup. But he had a vision that um, this could be used on things other than lint and different dusts and, and recognize the issue there. And having my experience, having seen things at West Pharmaceuticals, I knew just firsthand that there was certainly a need for something like this to kind of automate overhead cleaning and prevent dust from building up to start with. Yeah, thank you for that background. I want to make two notes. One is I probably should have, I should have switched the intros incident to West Pharmaceutical had I known you were involved in the investigation there instead of Hagenase. No, that's okay. Um, the listener, we'll put the links to the Chemical Safety Board report for West Pharmaceutical in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 66 for this episode as well. So um, anyone that's interested in that case study can go get that information. The one note I want to say on that is that was uh, the dust was, as, as Jordan mentioned, accumulated in an area above false ceiling tiles. And there was actually very, very little dust in the facility, in the visible area of the facility. And the kind of the interesting part there, if we can use the word interesting to describe such a, a large disaster, is um, they had a very robust dust cleanup program. Basically, as soon as the dust hit the ground, it was cleaned up, from my understanding. And if you went in the facility, you didn't actually see any combustible dust. It was all hidden away above these false ceiling tiles, which is a really important thing to consider is that you need to consider these areas that where dust can migrate to but that you're not looking into or not um, checking to see if it's in there because that's like a lot of fuel can accumulate. So that's point number one. And then point number two was um, just as you were telling your your story through your career, you kind of went up the hierarchy of controls. If you think you think about it, you did forensic engineering after something happened, then you did UL with engineered solutions and testing of them. And then now you're you know up at housekeeping and trying to stop something before it happens with with sonic air so it's kind of an interesting uh, a career path moving up the, the hierarchy of controls i like that <laughs> yeah it's not not anything i planned out of the gate for sure but it's where where i've been led oh thank you for sharing that and so we talked about a couple things here but i'll, I'll give you a chance to, to maybe expand on it why should facilities be concerned with with dust accumulation in their facility well 
you know, I, I know your, your listeners, are, if they're following you, they they know a lot of the issues behind uh, dust, but it, it's that stuff that's out of sight, out of mind. It's the things that the unseen things are uh, the ones that can, can sneak up on you. So you have to just pay attention to that stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's the secondary explosion that happens. Once you have a primary event, when that dust starts to fall, that's when things go really bad. Uh, it's it's usually not due to a, a pile of dust on the floor. You know, those things are issues too, but those are the ones that you see. They're in front of you. So those are the ones that get the attention and get addressed. But it's when stuff falls from the ceiling that, that things just go really bad. Yeah, and we've definitely seen cases of both. I mean, inside processing equipment, if you have an explosion, you need to have that properly protected through whatever solution you have is venting or suppression. So that doesn't injure workers. But we do see a lot of these large-scale, massive explosions, You know, ones where there's no facility afterwards, like West Pharmaceutical, it's just our beams left. Those are generally from very large secondary and tertiary and, and later stages explosions from this either hidden dust accumulation or hidden in plain sight works as well. You see workers may trudge through sawdust for 20 years and you, know, you have a dry year and and then that becomes an issue. So you mentioned a, a bit about Sonic Air's story and moving from the the vision of textiles and lint and you know a I don't know if they call them nuisance nuisance kind of dust there, but not as much of a explosion hazard at least, maybe a bit of a fire hazard. But moving into combustible dust, what kind of industries are you working with mostly for these systems then today and and maybe moving into the future? Yeah, you know, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts on NFPA 652 and how it, it it's broader than even just combustible dust. You need to start with dust. So anybody that's making dust needs to start there and then determine if it's actually combustible or not. But we, we work in everything from combustible to non-combustibles just from an overall housekeeping standpoint. But, you know, some of our bigger industries are wood, paper, we still do a lot in textiles and lint and fiber. And, and you're right, that's more of a fire hazard than actual deflagration or explosion hazard, but still an issue nonetheless. Doing more work in, in grain and food and chemicals, metals, agriculture, tire, rubber, plastics, you, know, you name it. If there's dust involved, particularly if it's combustible, we're there. Yeah, and I've seen some videos and actually the interesting part from the videos where they were put out by the companies talking about how they've improved their house cleaning programs um, the ones that i remember were wood product plants they had large kind of sawdust storage buildings with large large amounts of, of wood and sawdust and their complaint was that they would have to shut down all the equipment get everyone up in boom lifts in order to clean and that this was just a massive undertaking and they showed the new system with the sonic air fans in and how that's bringing the dust down continuously so you don't have that uh, accumulation up there. And I don't think that was a sonic air video, but it might have been the first video I saw showing the system and I've been looking into it since then. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's how it works. So maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that a bit. How how does the system get put into place? How are the fans used and what does it look like for uh, an end user trying to that's interested in the system to move forward? Yeah, so you know the basic technology is is the fans act as an air barrier just to prevent the dust from settling or accumulating overhead. So what we do is we try to design a solution around the facility that works that works for 
for the end user. So we look at multiple things. We start by looking at the area where most of the dust is generated and ensuring that we protect that area against future dust buildup. Sometimes we can even provide some insider information on ways to actually reduce the fugitive dust generation in the first place. So that that's where we like to help out there first. But when there is that fugitive dust generation, we're looking at the process. We're making sure that what we're doing is not impacting the process. We're, we're going to pay close attention to the overhead structure and the amount of congestion in the space. And then we're looking at environmental conditions such as temperature, humidity, electrical classifications. We're taking all that into account, making sure that the solution is actually a good fit for the environment, that it's a good fit for the customer, that it gives them the results that they need and and kind of keeps them out of that overhead space. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that because you mentioned it kind of creates an air barrier at the top layer of the facility. It's not just kind of pointing fans in any direction so that you're knocking down the dust. You're actually trying to create a a barrier to stop the dust from getting up there in the first place. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's similar to an air curtain. A lot of people can envision an air curtain and and maybe have some just experience with that. And that that's kind of what we're doing is creating a horizontal air curtain, so to speak. And you mentioned a couple of these system temperature not impacting the processing can the processing line. You don't want to be blowing dust off a conveyor that needs to convey the material. What are some other considerations that can be included in design of the system? Well, we're going to look at electrical requirements, electrical availability in the area for the equipment to run the equipment. We're looking at operation times, operation schedules, making sure the fans are running when the process is running. Back in our early days with textiles, we recommended that the fans be run at the end of the shift to kind of clean up everything that happened that day. But we, we've recognized, and, and this is uh, actually part of the NFPA standard now, that the fans should be in operation when the fan or when the process is in operation and that does create that barrier and so we're just kind of looking at everything holistically and making sure the solution works with the process works with the people in the area and just kind of takes all that into account now that makes a lot of sense and we kind of touch on this with the the manual wave cleaning but what are some benefits of Sonic air fans, um, you know, creating a safer environment is obviously one of them, but are there any other added on benefits from putting the systems in? Yeah, well, you know, if you think about the, the manual process, so, you know, for, first, it, if someone's doing that process, and that's a big if, as you know, so we're, we're trying to educate people on the issues with the combustible dust. So we have, we have to back up and start there and make sure that they understand and have some awareness of what's actually you know, the danger and the hazard that is in their overhead spaces. So once we kind of get through that, you know, then you start to to talk to folks that are doing something about their dust and they are trying to manually take care of it. And, and we've seen that done a lot of different ways. You know, sometimes people are using a, a class two certified vacuum, which is great. And then some people are using a blowdown method. And I've even I've even been in wood plants where I've seen people using uh, backpack style gas powered leaf blowers to blow down dust. And, and that's a scary place to be. So, you know, you can eliminate that kind of stuff going on in the overhead spaces uh, with the overhead oscillating fans. Um, you, you know, some of the, the challenges to doing it the manual way is access. So like, like you mentioned, the boom lifts. I mean, so for either, either of the methods to work, the manual methods, whether you're vacuuming or blowing down, you have to get a human being 
physically close within just a few feet of the dust to actually remove it and dislodge it. So this involves ladders, lifts, scaffolding, something to get people in those areas. And then there's a lot of safety risks and consideration that has to be taken into account for getting into those areas. And then the frequency at which it takes place. Manual cleaning, it needs to happen on such a regular basis that you don't get the buildup. And that can be annually for some places. It also may need to be weekly in some areas, just depending on the process that's going on. And then that typically involves a shutdown. So it either has to happen on the weekends when the process isn't going on and most people have to pay their employees overtime to come in on the weekends or they have to actually shut the process down and stop work to come in and do these regular cleanings. So regardless of how it's being done, it's, it's just expensive and cumbersome to get done. So th- those are kind of the things, those are, those are the typical pain points that we see with our customers and the things that they're working with. And so those are the things that we're trying to help them out with and help them eliminate in these overhead spaces. So that's, that's kind of where the fans come into play. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'll highlight two things. So one's it's, it's the total cost, not just, you know, the one-off cost of, of clean, like one-off cost on safety, maybe. But you need to, the time to shut down the equipment or running on the weekends or pay overtime. And the second thing, and, and probably the more pervasive issue, is there's going to be constantly a, we'll call it a stress, an internal stressor to delay cleaning because it has such a cost to it. So you're always going to be kind of pushing, redlining, am I too much, am I too much? And if you're not very strict about your administrative controls and your schedules, then you could have a you know a, a amount of dust that's too much, and then you actually put the worker at harm in harm's way when they're cleaning it as well. Where what I like about the the fan solution is it's continuously running. You know you don't have to make that decision. You can have them um, cleaning. It just it seems like a, a better way to avoid always having that pressure to put off host cleaning or put off cleaning more. I don't know. Have you seen that in your experience working with industries? Maybe not with Sonic Air, but your previous background just an overall difficulty in, in keeping facilities clean from a combustible dust accumulation perspective? Yeah. I mean, anytime we visit a customer for the first time or a potential customer, I mean, that that's the state, you know, that's the current state they're in is, yeah, we know we need to clean. It's on the to-do list and it just, you know, it, it doesn't get done. So uh, you're, you're right. And when people start, you know, your listeners start to take a look at, what the true cost is to stay in compliance, they need to consider not just, oh, we clean once a year or whatever, whatever the case may be, and what does that cost us, but what would it take for us to be in compliance? So does that mean instead of doing it annually, we need to do it every three months, or you know, what's the case? And, and just really, truly understanding the overall cost being in compliance and and what's the cost and what's the risk of not being in compliance is it just the risk of being fined by WorkSafe or osha or whoever you know a fire marshal or your insurance agent we've we've talked to a lot of um folks recently who were referred by their insurance company to come talk to us because their insurers have told them clean up your dust or we're not going to continue to cover you so those folks are coming to us and looking for a solution they're looking for help they they recognize that in order to do it in a way that keeps them in compliance and keeps all the regulation regulators happy is very, very labor intensive and, and almost impossible in some cases. 
Yeah, I'm kind of in my my notepad here. I'm drawing this uh, this flowchart um, as you as you talk. And it's you know, do they know that combustible dust is an issue? No. Okay. Well, we need to play a role in educating that. Yes. Okay. Well, do they have a, a, a housekeeping program in place? And it's okay. Well, what's the what are they using their housekeeping program? Is it blowdown method? Is it a um, certified vacuum system? Is it uncertified vacuum system? Um, is it brooms and scoops? You know, what are they using and educating on? Maybe a better process there, and then, you know, what is the true cost of that in terms of safety, in terms of compliance, in terms of real real dollars spent, and in terms of um, you know equivalent dollars spent on things like time lost and and that sort of stuff. You go through all those boxes and educating on that, and then okay, well, how do we put a system in place that can improve all of that? Um, and that's really, I mean, you guys are there through that whole life cycle, but then that's the that's the job you're brought in to do at the end of the day, but you end up probably doing these roles of, of educating and getting people um, to accept the solution. And I can imagine from a sales perspective, that's maybe even hard because you you need to, you know, if you go to 10 people, you might need to do the convincing and educating on eight of them before you even get to talking about designing a, a system. That's right. That's right. You know, we, we have people, we, we do quite a few trade shows and that's that's the best way one of the best ways we found is is to be able to have that FaceTime with people and have that conversation and and ask some questions about you know what what does your overhead space look like or how often are you inspecting it or are you doing anything now to prevent the dust from building up? In many many cases, it's virtually impossible to capture all the dust. We recommend filter and capture everything that's reasonably possible, but. You know, inevitably, if you run a board through a sawmill, it's the board is going to have dust stuck to it when it comes out of the backside of the mill. So, it, no matter how good your filtration and your capture system is, stuff you know just is going to escape out into the atmosphere. And so, that's where, like you said, we have to ask those questions and get people to start thinking about it. And sometimes it's a, a slow process, but um, to get them to recognize and understand the hazards that they're dealing with. Yeah, and I. I had a big asterisk beside that, and I forgot to mention it in my flowchart, but can you release less dust? So can you contain the dust within the processing line that you're using? Can you develop a better hood for your dust collector if you're using a dust collection system? Can you contain that dust? Can you collect it at the source? Um, then can you clean it? That's a, another important thing to do. I'm sure you guys would love to, for everyone to have a lot more dust because they need to clean up, but it's actually safer not to generate the dust in the first place, which I know you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I know you've covered the DHA before, and, that, and that's where people need to start. And I, I recommend that. Start with the DHA. Figure out what you're dealing with and find the low-hanging fruit. Fix the leaks in your dust system. Ca- like I said, capture everything you can. Sweep it up off the floors. Clean it up off the equipment. And then, you know, but being aware of your overhead spaces, then take a look at that and what needs to be done for those spaces as well. Oh, that makes a lot of a lot of sense. So, I appreciate sharing that background, and I think we've I don't know you may see this uh, graphic come out on Dust Safety Science at some point with the flowchart as we as I develop this out a bit. But um, if you could leave the the listeners kind of with one piece of advice from your your total background of transferring the the hierarchy of controls and where you're at today, what what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, it would probably be just you know the the big misconception that when we talk to people on the front end is that their facility's clean enough and they don't have a problem. So, you know, the chemical safety board released a report about the Didion corn mill explosion in 2017, and it, it referenced multiple 
employees that said they thought their facility was clean enough and they thought it was really clean and they never expected an explosion to happen to them. Some people even said it was, you know, spick and span. They thought it was just spotless. So it's not always the case. It's not always, you know, what meets your, meets your eye there at floor level. Just this week, we had a prospective customer called in. They, they said they thought their facility was the cleanest across their corporation. And they had an ocean inspector come in and he took one look at the problem. So we have to fix this now. You know, this is a major issue. So, you know, my, my advice to the listeners would be just not to assume that you're clean enough, that you don't have a safety hazard hiding in your overhead areas. So pay particular attention to those overhead spaces, do an inspection, see what's up there. Don't let out of sight, out of mind happen to you. Yeah, we'll pull up the Didion Milling technical update or something. I can't remember what they called the the report. Um, it's sort of a midterm update report, but the 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 point that Jordan's making is very interesting. If you read through that, the range of comments from people on how housekeeping was at the facility range from the cleanest I've ever worked in, which is kind of an interesting one, um, to no zero dust, spick and span, to other workers claiming you know they came home with their their ears and nose and, and couldn't get the dust, like this this broad range of perceptions. But then at every point along the way, everyone who was in, involved, you know, nobody's seen the hazard coming. And so it's interesting to read through that part. And I think they'll be releasing more through about that incident as well. And we actually have Chemical Safety Board doing two keynotes at the Digital Dust Safety Conference. They haven't shared the abstracts with us yet, but uh, the Diddy and Milling may be a topic on there as well. well. We'll see where that comes from. Yeah, I just want to kind of lead off by, by saying, Jordan, I appreciate you coming on talking about sonic air systems. I think we've actually transcended just talking about that piece of equipment and that product, but really a whole, you know, what does education look like in industry handling and bustle dust and, and the different layers to it for um, avoiding housekeeping. So, uh, or to encourage them to do housekeeping. Anything else you want to leave off on today? I, I, I enjoy the clean enough discussion. I think that's something we'll talk about more on the podcast as well, because especially once Campbell Safety Board releases more reports on the work that I know they're kind of doing in this space and, this whole perception piece, you know, cleanest I've ever worked in, never seen a speck of dust. And with your background, you know, you you investigate West Farmers where that was the most employees had never seen dust. There's some images above the rafters, and you know, there's extension cords and fans and some stuff up there. So, pe- like people were up there. Um, somebody knew that there was dust up there, but yeah, it's a really interesting perspective. And one I'm sure that we'll be we'll be talking about moving forward. So, uh, I think the last place to leave off maybe is what can people expect if they um, attend the Digital Dust Safety Conference from your presentation on, I believe it's on day three, but it actually might be on day two. Um, we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. What can people expect from your presentation? Sure. We're going to take a more in-depth look at the NFPA regulations, particularly surrounding the use of overhead fans. Um, that's now part of 652. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the misconceptions around fans, what they are and what they what they do and what they don't do, what they are not. Uh, and we'll talk about what to expect before, during, and after the installation of a, a fan system and try to answer any questions that might, might arise along the way. That's perfect. And well, we appreciate you coming on today and sharing your knowledge with the community. Um, and we also appreciate you being involved with the, the conference and look forward to seeing you presenting there in just a, a handful of weeks away. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, and Jordan Newton, COO of Sonic Air, based out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We've been talking about the use of fan systems to prevent combustible dust accumulation, and in particular in overhead areas. And we actually talked about a 
you know, even a broader range of topics from that. We talked about Jordan's background in forensic engineering and investigation, fire science, and then moving into working with Sonic Air uh, and, the, and the products and, and solutions that they're providing there. We also talked about the perspective from a facility owner. And we, we started building out this sort of mental flowchart, if you will, or, or you know, mental um, diagram or tree. So, you know, are you doing any housekeeping at all? No. Okay, well, here's, here's some considerations there. Yes, you are. Well, okay, what kind of types are you doing? Um, what kind of equipment are you using? Are you using blowdowns, using vacuums? Are you ensuring that you're containing as much dust as you can? Are you reducing the emission levels? Um, are you considering where dust might be migrating to in non-visible areas and invisible areas? And kind of going down the ladder to, you know, okay, well, we have this dust accumulation. We minimize as much as we can. How do we go about now preventing that? And I, I will mention again that the, the dust that settles on lamps and shields and uh, rafters, that tends to be the smallest particle size just by the nature of aerodynamics in a room. Um, it also tends to be the driest dust. So I just did a podcast interview that won't come out until after this one, but on a fish meal explosion in Norway, and it was the same thing. That dust that uh, accumulated up into the fish meal plant was exceptionally dry and exceptionally um, violent when it reacted. So that can be you know really important to take care of. So I appreciate Jordan coming on and sharing his knowledge with the community. Definitely connect with him. We'll have his contact information at dustsafetyscience.com slash 66 for this episode. I mean, also connect with him inside the Dust Safety Academy platform. And don't miss his presentation coming. Again, at the time of this coming out is February 11th. So we are just two weeks, just over or just short of two weeks away from running the conference. So look forward to seeing you there. I want to say, as always, I appreciate you listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. I hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. And I'm really thankful for all the work that you're doing in industries handling the bustle of dust all around the world and the roles that you're playing in those industries. Thank you.